Although here in the Gospel says many prophets desired to see what you see but did not see it. He's referring to himself. Many prophets desired to see the Messiah and they did not see him. They saw him uh, through prophetic vision but they didn't see him in the flesh. And the apostles and us Christians are privileged to uh, see what the prophets desired to see but did not see. And speaking of the prophets, Advent is a time that's very much informed by the Old Testament prophetic uh, vision of the future. And so this brings us to our first reading from Isaiah. Now, it's important to note that in the Old Testament prophecies uh, that envision the coming of uh, the Messiah, the Messianic Age, we see uh, a telescoping of Jesus's advents, both of them, his first advent and his second advent, his first coming as the babe in the manger, and then his second coming as uh, the Son of Man, as judge at the end of the world. And you see, we see a kind of a telescoping, meaning uh, there's a compression of these two different events, and they're placed together, and sometimes it's kind of hard to distinguish between the two. You see both of them at the same time. Uh, when you read Isaiah, for example, or Jeremiah, or Zechariah, or what have you. And I think it's the case, uh, this is the case as well here in Isaiah. Um, we see probably, uh, of, if anything though, more of the, the second Advent. And that's why, for example, this past Sunday, we had the Gospel passage where Jesus talked about his second coming. So Advent is very much informed by the Old Testament vision which sees not just uh, the coming of Christ as the, the gentle, harmless babe in a manger, but also the fearsome Son of Man coming at the end of time as judge of all mankind. And it's both being held together. So we have uh, you know, the merciful vision of the babe, but also the just vision of God. Uh, the judge of all mankind. And they're both together. We need to hold them together as the Old Testament prophets do, as the liturgy does, as our lectionary does, as the Bible does. We need to have both elements together. Both God's mercy and his justice. You can't separate the two or focus on one at the expense of the other. If we do that, we're, we're going to get imbalanced in, our, in the practice of our faith and in our understanding of uh, Christianity. And uh, part of my duties or job as, as, a, as a minister, as a priest in the Diocese of Rochester, is I work uh, small, you know, part-time with the Diocesan Department of Evangelization and Catechesis. And uh, one of the things we're doing, we're providing for all the parishes in the diocese, is um, a blog. And this blog uh, has been inspired by Pope Francis, who actually encouraged all uh, Catholics for the Year of Mercy, which begins on December 8th, and it goes to the next Feast of Christ the King. So throughout the Year of Mercy, uh, he encouraged us to read Dante's Divine Comedy. Now, you might know, you might be familiar with this, this kind of classic poem, you might not be, I'm not sure, um, but Dante's uh, Divine Comedy is a 14th century um, Italian poem, it's, it's uh, very famous, 
um, as kind of a, a foundation stone in Western civilization, literature, and culture. And uh, Pope Francis encouraged uh, us to read through it, um, and so uh, for the year of mercy. Now, it, this blog that we're putting together, essentially, we're getting together all these different commentators, and we're going to comment on all the different chapters, if you will, they're called cantos in the Italian, so we're going to comments, every blog post will be a commentary on each canto or each chapter in this, this great epic poem. And uh, so as I kind of prepare for that and kind of get that ready and, and organize that whole project, I, I'm going through Dante's uh, Divine Comedy. And, and in this poem, Dante journeys through uh, hell, and then he journeys through purgatory, and then he journeys through um, heaven or paradise, and he eventually arrives at the blessed vision of God. So it's essentially a, you know, a journey through the entire cos spiritual world and cosmos. And uh, what's interesting is that he begins off, and he has this um, ancient poetic figure by Sky Virgil who's going to be his guide through hell and through purgatory and through heaven. And uh, he's, he's very much um, afraid to, uh, to go on this journey. And um, how the story begins is he is, well, it's an allegory, and he's walking up this hill. And the hill, the top of the hill is a symbol of heaven. He wants to get to heaven, okay? Uh, but he's got these animals that symbolize the different vices and sins that are blocking his path. And uh, so Virgil appears and says to him, you know, you're not going to be able to make it up to the top. You can't get through these vices and these sins uh, directly. Let me show you how to get up to that, that top of the hill to, to heaven, essentially. But how he's going to do that is to bring him through hell and purgatory before heaven. You see, we need to face sin we need to face the, the horrors and the, the negative consequences of sin. We need to go, essentially, to hell and to purgatory if we want to go to heaven. And uh, I think it ties it back to my main original point, is that we've got to have God's justice. And we've got to look it in the face, and we've got to take it seriously if we want His mercy as well. So often I think we want Christmas and we want Easter without Advent and without Lent. We want the New Testament without the Old Testament. We want the celebration without the fast. We want the glory of the resurrection and, and the reward and the crown of heaven without the cross. We want Jesus' resurrection without his passion, without his suffering. And uh, so like Dante, who, who had to go to hell and purgatory first before he went to heaven, uh, we too have to look at our Lord as that just Son of Man who comes uh, on the clouds of heaven to bring judgment on all the earth uh, if we also want Him to meet us as that gentle, harmless, cute baby in the manger on Christmas time.